0: So we've done a lot of shows here at Stereo Embers, the podcast. And though this is not our bazillionth episode, it is our bazillion episode. Oh, you're going to see how clever that was in about a minute and a half. Sit tight. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out.
1: Back in the 80s. We had big hair. You had a fast car and places to go. There was Bon Jovi living on a prayer.
0: Basilian. Let me tell you a little bit about Eric Bazillion. Well, as far as rock and roll resumes go, Eric Bazillion has one of the ones you'd want. The Philadelphia-born musician's dad was a psychiatrist, but it was his concert pianist mother who likely influenced him to start playing the piano at age five. Four years later, he was playing guitar, and seven years later, at the age of 16, he had his first band, and they were called Evil Seed. While getting a B.S. in physics at the University of Pennsylvania, Bazillion and his college pal Rob Hyman formed a band called Baby Grand. And after that band called it a day, with two albums under their belts, Bazillion and Hyman formed the Hooters. Over the course of their winning career, the Hooters put out six great albums, had a handful of top 40 hits with songs like Day by Day and And We Danced, they opened Live Aid in Philadelphia, the Amnesty International concert at Giant Stadium in 86, and the Roger Waters The Wall concert in Berlin in 1990. By the way, keep Berlin in mind, because that figures into our story in a rather big way in about 75 seconds. But back to Bazillion. Bazillion not only produced Joan Osborne's Grammy-nominated Relish album, he wrote the song One of Us, which is one of the most memorable tracks of the last 50 years. It's been covered by everyone from Prince to Seal, and it was used as the theme song for the TV show Joan of Arcadia, for which Bazillion won an ASCAP Film and Television Music Award. Over the course of his career, he's written and co-written songs with a crazy list of talent. Here's a partial list. Patti Smythe, Bon Jovi, Biff Naked, Ronnie Spector, Matt Nathanson, and Robbie Williams. In 2000, Bazillion was inducted into the Philadelphia Walk of Fame on the Avenue of the Arts. And his new solo album, Bazillion, is a life-affirming blast of rootsy-pop stomp that's energizing, soulful, and positively infectious. Oh, and remember how I said don't forget about Berlin? Good thing you didn't. Not only has Bazillion written songs with the Scorpions, the Hooters are an ongoing proposition, and they're massively popular in Germany and Scandinavia, playing sellout shows to adoring fans all over those regions. Now, the things that are on Bazillion's resume are super interesting, but also interesting, the things that aren't on that resume. I'll let him explain. Here's my chat with the very cool Eric Bazillion, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
2: Played here, didn't you? A long time ago, man. I mean, it yeah. was really. We haven't played California since I think '90 was sort of our last blast. We did, I think, I know we played the troubadour in '93. That oh, was sort wow. of like the nail in the coffin. It was like we <laughs> packed it, but it didn't matter.
0: Did, was that because of like what Nirvana had done
2: to the musical landscape? No, I think it's just because of what, you know. I really have no idea. Uh, you know, <laughs> some people say it was the it was the record company. Some people say it was the management So some people say it was Nirvana. I don't know. Yeah, I, I you know, it just it's just what happened You know by then we were firmly planted as a as a, a European band Germany had come through for us and continues to to this very day
0: Did you feel the molecules around the career changed at that moment and and two did the european embrace surprise you and does it still surprise you that it's so sustaining
2: it delights me that it's still sustaining absolutely um we were a little bit surprised yeah i mean even going back as far as like uh, october 87 when we would released one way home in the us and didn't get quite the um the reaction we were hoping for i mean everyone seemed to like it it got great reviews yeah Everyone called it, you know, a great progression for the band and really, you know, we we really actualized our, our sound and our, you know, that which made us special, but, um, you know, in terms of MTV radio and record sales it it uh, Definitely didn't didn't do what that, you know, the first splash of nervous night had done and, uh, you know, they flew us to to uh, Europe to do some promo and all of a sudden we're in Germany and we have a hit and you know we're playing it at the columbia records um convention as a surprise to everyone and you know it was like okay if this is where it's gonna be for us this is where it's gonna be yeah i mean
0: look there are worse problems
2: yeah it right? is the second biggest it's the second biggest market in the world i don't think a lot of people realize that 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 it is that it's such a massive market and and it's a faithful one too i can't tell you how many times I've been been, you know, driving around there and I'll see a poster for some artist I haven't heard of in decades. And where are they? They're in Germany touring successfully. Yeah, I remember when I was into metal when I was a
0: teenager. I remember hearing that a lot of metal bands American metal bands. Really their careers. They were kind of like in the Bay Area. We had a lot of metal and um, a lot of those bands were really making their their money in Japan. Um, Mm -hmm. And in the Netherlands, I mean, all over in in places you wouldn't suspect, but they, and I imagine they probably still
2: do. Absolutely. Scandinavia too. It's funny. We, we play a lot of, um, we, we play a lot of hard rock festivals over there and they love us. (laughs) We come out with them. We pull out the mandolins and and accordions and they go, they go nuts. Uh, Yeah. So you've been on bills with, with hard rock bands and going, I guess this makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. You know, we every five years or so we play at Sweden Rock, which is a you know big, big you know multi-day festival, and it's you know, um, you know one year we played between Ozzy and uh, uh, Black Flag Society or whatever, and like we fit right in. Go figure. (laughs) Yeah, do you
0: feel comfortable sort of working out new material in those venues? Like you feel it's it's
2: welcomed yeah i mean we've done it yeah absolutely and you know the the whole question of new material for a a legacy artist you know it's you know uh, you know after a while it's sort of why um you know which which songs that they want to hear are we going to cut from the set yeah um you know i know like when you know when when Last time I saw The Who, you know, Pete Townsend said, okay, this is the part of the show where we're going to do some new, some new, uh, some new songs. You can go, go to the bathroom, get another beer. Yeah. But, I mean, you yeah. listen, we're, we're always trying and, but, but whatever, whatever we bring out has got to be at the level of, of what got us, got us where we are. Have
0: you ever had a place where what was happening around you could get into your head as a writer?
2: Um, well, you know, I mean I this album that i that I'm putting out now is absolutely a result of that. It's a result of um, a whole series of, 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 of well, Three years which culminated in COVID. but uh, I moved uh, my family moved to uh, to uh, to Stockholm uh, in the summer of 2017 hmm. and You know, I sem I moved with them, but I was back and forth a lot but still spending a lot of time there. And there's definitely some, I started to feel like an exile. Yeah. As I mean, as comfortable as I am there, I've been, you know, I've been married to a Swede for 25 years. I've spent every summer there since we met. Um, I know the language. I have a lot of really good friends there, but I was away from home. I was, I was this studio where I'm, where I'm sitting here, you know, this is my, oh yeah. You know, this is my, my spot. I mean, right now it's filled with, (laughs) junk but um um you know and that's my house over there which tenants were living in but um you know I found myself I got very lucky o- uh, over in Stockholm uh and it, the fact that the uh, the building that we're we're living in the apartment that we're living in ha- has a big empty room in the basement that the neighbors are very happy to have me set up my little provisional laptop studio in so I started writing you know rec- and recording new songs and they sort of had a had a theme to them and then covid hit which mm-hmm. made my my exile even more <laughs> brought it more sharply into focus so there's a lot of that um you know you wh- where do i belong where am i where is home um and um, you know, it it really was Really did force the genesis of this record which I had no intentions of doing another solo record really Yeah, I mean I put my last strictly solo album out in 2002 Right, Uh, I did a collaboration album with a, a swedish folk musician a friend of mine and that we put out in 2012 I've been writing and recording, you know ever since i'm i oh i'm always doing that But the idea of putting it together into an album and saying, you know here I am and and you know, this is who I am now. I just I didn't really have the juice for that. I, I, I Honestly, I I was putting more of my energy in, into the band and when I wasn't doing that into d- Developing new artists, which which is still a, a thing for me. and something I, I I love doing certainly voices that I'd rather hear singing than than my own <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: But I but I wonder also Uh, my my neighbor here is Swedish and I had dinner with her the other night and I said to her, why do Swedish bands write so many sad songs about summer? And she had to explain it to a Californian who wears shorts in January. Um, She had to explain that it's because it's three glorious weeks and then it's done. Have you been affected by that? Um,
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, this is my fourth winter in a row. In, in Sweden and I swore after the first one never again <laughs> um, and um, Last summer was really the first full summer. I've spent there because usually I'm touring a good part of the summer or or we're traveling but you know, this was an entire Swedish summer and there is a There is a melancholy to it because because you know what you said it's so short and When it's good, it is glorious um, And, you know, most Swedes have a a summer place that they'll, that they'll go to, uh, even if it's just a shack in the woods. Uh, I spent most of the summer in the city, which turned out to be a pretty fine thing. It's a pretty great city to be stuck in during the summer. You know, I got a bike and, and, you know, COVID notwithstanding because Swedes like kind of didn't pay much attention to it. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Not a lot of masks, not a lot of social distancing. And it seemed to work out okay for them we we heard about that here and we were we were afraid that we'd
0: wake up and and hear that sweden was gone um but that that wasn't the case but did that
2: cause any kind of stress uh on on your part i mean no the only stress that it caused was the fact that i couldn't travel you know I i wasn't crazy about the idea of of getting on a plane for eight hours um There was also the issue of, you know, whether I'd be able to get back in if I left and um, You know, I I flew back here in January because my mom got sick and then passed away and Mm. I had to come back and um, Actually, it all worked out incredibly well, you know, um, aside from the obvious You know sadness of losing losing my my mother my last parent um, Um, I managed to get vaccinated here, which I wouldn't have done in Sweden And um, I got to spend some time here in my studio and recording and Doing you know playing on on my my piano My mother's piano actually she gave me many years ago. It's a 1901 Steinway. Wow Uh, Yeah, and I got to catch up with family, you know, and i'm i'm going back tomorrow. Um, i'm sorry about your mother
0: and um you know is the is the temptation to work out those kinds of feelings through art have you have you had that or have you
2: resisted that it um, that's something that comes to me uh, I have never been able to identify a feeling and then turn it into a song turn it into art um, I have to sit myself down and present an empty canvas and then the thoughts and feelings come out I write songs, and the songs surprise me. The songs are really therapy, um, you know. Like on, on this album, I I, I miss everything. <laughs> literally, I I I wrote a melody on guitar, um, recorded it, put headphones on, and the first thing out of my mouth was "I miss everything." Um, l- literally, the, the verses were total stream of consciousness. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like I make con- my brain is a conduit for my heart.
0: That makes sense. Someone told me that when you
2: sometimes will say something
0: and in your brain you're going, why am I saying that? Who's that character? Who, who's that guy? Um, and it's your ego that's that's doing the speaking and then it's obviously, you know, your real self is going, ugh. Um, Do you feel that when you, when you're talking about the process, you're talking about where you're sort of visited almost, you're channeling this kind of thing, that that it's a kind of like, you can see it's a separation of two selves, that there's like the artistic self and the sort of civilian self.
2: You could put it that way. The way I see it is it's really when I'm whole. It's when my, my two halves, you know, join and become one where, you know, where my artist, my, you know, my, my mental self is the, mechanism that enables my artistic self to express itself it's you know the my ability to play instruments to to record you know to use language um and then you know my my emotional self comes barreling down and saying i'm here by the way you know all the netflix series in the world and and all the you know the fiction you read are not going to take away the fact that you really do have someone living inside here with feelings and ideas that that want to express themselves and thank you for having the the ability to do that for us
0: it's almost like it takes hold too right like you can't plan
2: it yeah and absolutely usually i i find i just have to be show up for work be prepared you know sit down give myself that space and um yeah just just go at it
0: Does that necessarily mean that you are satisfied when you sit down and you are the conduit and you're open and you're whole, and it's coming through, um, which is a beautiful organic moment. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what will come out is something that you then as an editor or as the arbiter of that work can say, this is up to snuff, right? It doesn't always work.
2: And no, it doesn't. I mean, there are things that have, there are definitely B-listers that that come out. (laughs) Um, but sometimes what comes out is scary sometimes what comes out um, Isn't Isn't something that I would have hoped would come out. I mean there def, they're definitely, you know, we bury things in us un, unpleasant thoughts unpleasant feelings and sometimes They will come out or on the other hand sometimes wonderful things come out um, uh, In 1990 whatever uh, um I had a little guitar riff a twinkly little little guitar riff that I thought was kind of cute and I I recorded it And then uh, put the headphones on and started singing and the the chorus came out uh, came out. I want to marry you And uh, my my then girlfriend had been living with me from Sweden for a year And I wrote this whole song this whole song just emerged full-blown about how it's time for me to ask you to to marry me and Scared the crap out of me because I I'd been down that rabbit hole once before and wasn't sure I w- wanted to do it again But you know, I, I actually I, I Put it away for a month and I put, listened to it again I thought I said, yep, this is me talking to myself Took that girl out to dinner ordered some champagne put the headphones on her with the Walkman pressed play and she said yes next 26 years ago wisely done um, it's good that you listened I I think so. So so far. So, so far. Yeah. Right.
0: But it also makes me think that perhaps as an artist that you are, (laughs) you're smarter in your art, right? Or you're, than you are in your regular life. Like your art almost informs you in a way that your regular life
2: can't do. Very eloquently put. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I remember when i was and this this show is all about moving forward but i remember as a kid hearing and we
0: danced i thought this band's going to take over the world if you can write a song like this right like this is it just seems so effortless to do that i know someone told me once when something seems effortless it's it's not it took work obviously to put it together um but have you ever felt moments where with a song like that or with with one of us where it's like you're in that pocket and there's a temptation to replicate that pocket or have you always resisted the
2: replication element the only thing that i try to replicate is just the headspace of being ready to receive um uh, yeah I, yes i do repeat myself sometimes you know like one of us is a great example that guitar riff that's sort of my that's my wheelhouse i am a riff machine you know girls just want to have fun cindy lopper that's my riff uh, all those all those hooters songs um uh you know tons of stuff and and um and i've there are times when i say you know what i'm gonna write a song without a riff i'm gonna you know i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna step aside from that and um it works but i keep coming back to it because that's that's what i do well and that informs you know that that creates the spaces that my brain fills in with with the information that my heart sends it yeah because if you if you read hemingway
0: or carver or if you listen to uh, you know certain certain musicians, it's like they're very there are certain artists that are very comfortable and clear with what they with what they know they can do well, and they kind of avoid the other stuff. It's like they're not going to do an experimental uh, project. They they seem very comfortable being in that wheelhouse. So when you said that you were, you thought you would try to step away from that and do something else, was it was it to try to get make yourself a little uncomfortable
2: and challenge yourself? Yeah, I think so, and and I still do that. Um, for uh, for example um, gosh three and a half years ago a friend of mine showed me a video of Chris Thiele playing a Bach violin sonata on the mandolin and um, that was the beginning of a very very deep wormhole that I am way deep into now every day two hours or so um, I've had to learn how to read music for real Mm. Um, and um, you know Am I going to start writing Baroque pieces? No, I I don't think so, but somehow I, I just feel like it's Whatever neural, neural pathways it's opening up in my brain. It's it's going to show itself somehow
0: Is that a kind of musical cross training that informs that informs the other
2: side as well of what? Of- I, hope so. I, I hope so. I'm still waiting for it to but you know if nothing else it's been It's been an an incredible journey, incredibly fulfilling and frustrating. Um, I'm never going to play it as well as Chris Thiele and and that's okay because he's already done it. But, um, but you know, and there's a, there's a spiritual thing I get from, from, from learning these pieces, from playing, from getting inside them, understanding them. Um, I've been talking with a friend of mine here who's a, um, he's a very Orthodox rabbi. And I you know, I, I, I Was born Jewish. I grew up in in Reform Judaism, which means that I got bar Mitzvah, got the money bought my guitar and I was out of there. Yep but it, There's something about it that keeps coming back to me and, and uh, even though I'm never gonna be one of those guys Doing doing that thing. I have a I have friends who are who are that you know with the long black coats and uh, They love to talk to me about this stuff and you know that the whole thing of in in um, you know, Judaism is that, the, or Kabbalistic Judaism is that all of the uh, laws of science of the universe are in- encoded in the Torah. And um, I was telling my, my friend the other night, we were sitting down having a talk, I said, you know what, to me, Bach is the Torah. Mm-hmm. I feel as though he en- somehow encompassed all of the, the, the laws of math and physics in his writing. That he really was a divine conduit, whatever the divine is. So Bach is your is your Torah. Bach is my Torah.
0: I was telling someone the other day. I, I met a girl and I was talking to her and I was saying, I'm not religious. Um, my, I wasn't raised with, you know, as a religious Jew, but I said, I'm, I'm my you know, my parents are both Jewish and I'm and I'm such a culturally, I'm so Jewish, you know. And she said, what does that mean? And I started to answer and I went, I'm not even sure. How to ex- that's not trying to explain why a joke is funny. I'm not even sure how to explain it, but there is a sensibility that that I think we have. Um, and and I realize being Jewish has has informed my writing because I'm a writer and my sense of humor, um, has it has it informed your life artistically?
2: Probably, um, in some ways that you know. Again, l- you know, like you, I don't know how you know how you what your experience with it was, but probably similar to mine, where you know I would go to the you know, the high holidays with my grandparents when they were around, and I still you know do a seder and a, and a and a rosh hashanah dinner when I can with whoever's yeah. around. Um, you know love mrs mazel <laughs> how can you not <laughs> um, um so i'm I'm sure it has i'm sure it, it has informed it in 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 some way you know not as much as like matis yahoo for example <laughs> no who apparently has shaved the beard really yep that's my my rabbi friend said yeah he's gone he's gone back to the other side <laughs>
0: And it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's also interesting because I was, my, my nephew was getting into orthodoxy and he was uh, rapping to Tholan and all, and, all, and it, there was a sort of like, there's a ritual to that. And I also noticed that like when I was a kid, I had a little bit of OCD and I almost feel like we're hardwired because you do it incorrectly, you have to do it over again. Um, and I, I went, oh, I think as a people, we're hardwired for for that kind of obsessive compulsive thing where you got to do something. Has that shown up at all in your in your Work? Oh,
2: yeah, I mean, I am I probably check all the boxes for AD ADHD OCD. Yeah Absolutely, and yeah. you know why this is a great um, a great calling for me because I'm able to hyper focus Tune everything else out and you know and go down the again that wormhole Until the Sun comes up and many times that I've sat in this seat with these windows behind me and watched the Sun come up at 5 6 in the morning which is beautiful.
0: Were your parents I find that Jewish parents are very supportive of of the arts. Um did, were your parents supportive of your of your um endeavor of being an artist?
2: Incredibly so. Yeah, my mother was an artist. My mother was a child prodigy pianist oh. uh, who who went to was the youngest student at, at the famed Curtis Institute and um played all of, all of her life. Um I my my earliest Memories are sitting next to her on her piano bench while she played Schubert and and, and Chopin and just being Seeing the you know her, her body her body language and like wanting to feel that and then you know Years later seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and saying ah, that's the way I'm gonna do it And now I see that piano that she gave you comes from
0: has a lot of emotional resonance
2: Yes, it, it really does and and um, especially now, you know this time coming back I've, I've been sitting there and doing playing my scales and actually learning some, learning some of the Bach inventions on the, on the piano. I actually have her ashes (laughs) sitting right there. Rabbi was not happy about the ashes thing, but that's what she wanted.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I totally understand that. And are, are you, and it sounds like you always have been very disciplined.
2: Oh, um, again, you know, the ADHD thing, uh, once I can get myself there, Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's still like, yeah, I'm going to go right a song. Oh, what's that? Oh, 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 who's that calling? Oh, look at, there's a bird. Yeah. Yeah. And the
0: other times you'll sit down and four hours have passed and you have no idea where they
2: went. That's, and that's, that's the good part.
0: Yeah, that's the good part. Right. I understand that. Um, Tell me a little bit about your friendships, uh, especially with the guys in the band. I mean the fact that this relationship has lasted this long um, Is not easy to maintain friends in this business, especially if you're if there's distance involved. Can you talk about how how um, special that relationship is?
2: Well, my relationship with with Rob is, you know The most significant relationship I've had in my life aside from my family and he is family, Um, you know, we met uh, my first week at, at the University of Pennsylvania, we met in a, an electronic music class. And um, ironically, I was sitting on the floor playing someone's acoustic guitar when he walked in. Um, yeah, you know, and you know, there are, well now six people in the band. We added we added a, a, a member in 2010 um, and they're all significant, but you know, Rob and I are the beginning and end of this thing. And of course, you know, we've had our, our ups and downs um we had a little little moment last i can't even keep track of time over the summer maybe where we had a we had it out on on facetime and we were calling each other ah you know (laughs) and then 10 minutes later uh i went into the kitchen and made a martini the way he likes it with an onion instead of an olive and i took a picture of and sent it to him and said cheers mate how do you take that Great, great. I mean look we're 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 best friends. We're brothers. We're very different and time has has made us more different You know, I think we were more similar um, I remember an l- article uh, that that last interview with John Lennon uh, the Playboy interview where he talked about he, you know, he and Paul how they were they were more similar than they were different but that time and outside pressure had had, had um Made the, the difference the differences more significant than the similarities. Yeah And and I think he,
0: they weren't even talking and he still referred to him as his best friend.
2: Yeah. Yeah And fortunately Rob and I are still very much talking. Yeah And and you know and the other guys in the band, you know, David the drummer. He was uh, I call him the first hooter because before David we didn't have a band. We just had an idea for a band and then we got David and We were a band and we got a name and then you know, and then uh, John and Fran and now Tommy, you know, they're all there there are our brothers, they're our family. When you and Rob were having it out, what, did you think, uh-oh, this could be the one that we never talk again? It
0: sounds like it was pretty bad.
2: Nah, no, no, nah, no, nah, never. I, we, I've never had that feeling. I, yeah, I mean there, yeah, there might have been a couple times back when, what, in our younger days when we were a bit more, uh, a bit more um, uh, inflammable, and I think there were probably, you know, um, Outside pressures involved, like girlfriends, wives. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: It's also very difficult to maintain friendships, um, just as a person. But throw a band into the mix, and that's a whole other. Yeah. You know,
2: I mean, the thing is, we kind of we have our roles in, in, in it. it. It's pretty. There's nothing in writing, but you know, I I know what he does and what he needs to do, and he knows what I do and what I need to do, and and they are complementary skill sets.
0: What what about him? Do you still marvel at like what what does he do that really just
2: impresses you so much? um Well, the first the fact that he he is incredibly organized and he's able to um, He and his wife are able to to uh, take care of the business of the band now, Mm -hmm. which is something that I Suppose I could do but thank god. I don't have to Um, but more significantly when we do get together and, and make music He'll just go someplace that I never would have thought of um, his you know, he he, His sense for melody chord changes is 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 brilliant and he will never settle He will he's one who will never settle for for the usual for the obvious It's he's he's the, he's the guy that will find that special Oh my god moment I mean I do that too. <laughs> we both do that. Yeah. I think and I think we bring it out in each other
0: and collaboratively that's where that happens right so when you guys are working stuff out that that sort of organic thing happens that wouldn't happen if he wasn't in the room
2: right 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 that's w- what has happened now listen as as time goes on a, a an artistic collaborative relationship like that is harder to keep exciting mm. like, like like a marriage to keep the you know keep the fire going yeah as they say um so you know it, it's uh, it's It's been a while since we've released new music, and it's not like we don't try. Um, I mean, at some point, we are going to have to get really disciplined and just say, you know what, we are locking ourselves away somewhere until we get what we want.
0: You just don't seem like a guy who has a shortage of material. Like, I imagine
2: you must have a ton of stuff that could be... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went through my hard drives uh, a few months ago, and I I could i probably have 10 albums worth of songs yeah i'm not surprised to hear that (laughs) (laughs) is there and they're all good in their way some of them are really quirky and 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 somebody's favorite song and some of them are kind of really epic has rob heard them all uh no no um i occasionally play him songs that i think could be hooters songs um and occasionally they they do become Hooters songs. I mean the the last full-length album we released was in 2007-8 um, And the the hit <laughs> from that the opening track I'm Alive was a song that I pretty much wrote um, To summer of 2005 um, in my my in-laws barn in Sweden
1: mm-hmm.
2: And he heard it and a year later Came back to me and said, you know, I think I'm alive could be a Hooters song. Let, let's look at that and you know, he fixed it and made it better made it complete
0: um yeah and there's there's a certain element to like when you do stuff you go this sounds like it could be the hooters this sounds like it would be for me
2: yeah you know it's we never we never evolved to that lennon mccartney point where you know there there were all songs were In the beginning, they wrote together. They wrote "She Loves You" together. They wrote "I Want to Hold Your Hand" together. Yeah. Uh, Probably by '65, they were writing most of their songs separately, or they would bring each other songs, and and you know, you know, John would say, "How about a middle eight in Michelle?" Uh, um, We never really got there. It's really still kind of, for the most part, a Hooter song is something that's conceived of and completed by the two of us together you know i i know when i wrote it write a song you know is this a hooter song and usually not my songs tend to be have a much more personal perspective hooter songs tend to have a you know wider general worldview perspective to them you know i you know i suppose it's funny on you know, this album a couple of the songs could have been hooter songs you know yeah. i you know um i don't know about i miss everything cuz that's so personal but like um uh, back in the 80s probably could have been um a few of the other ones could have been but it just felt like this was a a solo record that it was this was the time to to do that as as, i mean reality made it so you know you know unless we were going to do send files back and forth but it just felt like that you know this is this is a solo album this is a complete statement by by me hi i'm here (laughs) when you say so personal do you mean that it wouldn't be
0: appropriate for the Hooters because it seems so specifically new.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, the Hooters is definitely a wee bit. Yeah. Not in the Irish sense. No. A, a big wee
1: I love springtime when it's raining, and I love the summer when it's dry. Sarah when she's sleeping And when she's loving me I feel just fine
0: gone to Carnegie Mellon, or if you'd gone to uh, NYU and you never met Rob, I mean, would there have been a band? Were you a guy who was searching for a band? Was that going to happen in one way or another?
2: I I think there's a good chance I'd be in surgical scrubs right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, that that was the plan B. A pretty good plan B. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, I think I, I would have thrived in that I have a lot of friends in the medical profession um, and I I really admire them for what they do and they really envy me for what I do. Are you one of those people that you do not try to dwell on
0: on decisions that were made because they were made and they're done and it's written and you don't look back and try to revise or beat yourself up for certain things you did?
2: Of course, I, st- I do that. We all do that, you know, Be- beat ourselves up, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, there are times I think You know, had I gone somewhere else, done something else. um, Had I been home when I got the call to play with Jackson Brown in 1978. Would things have been different, you know, would I have been a bigger rock star, would I, uh, you know, um, Possibly, but I am glad I'm not a bigger rock star. I, I have friends who are genuinely famous, genuine celebrities. I wouldn't want that. It's the last thing in the world I want. I like being obscure. I want my work to be more famous than I am. I love the fact that I've written a song that everyone knows and just about everyone likes, and they don't know I've written it, and I tell them I wrote it, and they go, woo, yeah, you wrote that song, wow.
0: And you see that the the level of fame, it's disruptive.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah,
0: it's totally, great, perfect word. How, why was Jackson Brown calling you in 1978?
2: Apparently, I think, um, I don't know if it was Michael Landau or uh, who uh, Danny Korchmar, one of his guitarists had gotten sick, which like, people did a lot of that in the late seventies, if you know, what whatever he needed, he needed a stand in for a gig in New Jersey. And I wasn't home when the call came. Why was your name on that list? Like,
0: how did they know about you?
2: Because a friend of mine was hanging out with, with him. At wow. Band, and she wow. said, oh, this is the guy to call. That, or, that must... <laughs> or, had I said yes, when Bob Dylan asked me to play in his band.
0: Wait, why did you, why did you say no to that?
2: Cause I already had a band. Yeah. But it's Bob Dylan. Is Bob Dylan, you know, and you know what, you know, what's cooler than being able to say you played with Bob Dylan, being able to say, you said no to Bob Dylan.
0: It's <laughs> true. I'm trying to think, were you guys label mates? I'm wondering if,
2: yeah, he was on Columbia. Yeah. Yep. And that's not really how it happened. Uh, it was the was the weirdest thing. We we did a festival with him in Finland this weird festival in the middle of Finland and um, um, At the time GE Smith was playing guitar with him and GE and I are, are old buds and and um, It was a weird show. I mean it was a dark time for Bob on stage at that point and um, uh, after the show we were we, a week later, we were in Tokyo and GE called me He tracked me down at, at the hotel and he said, look, um, Bob heard your set likes the way you play. I'm going back to Saturday Night Live. Can he call you? And I'm like, well, he can call me. Yeah. So a week later I was home and the phone rings and Hi, it's Bob Dylan. I'm looking for Eric Brazilian. Yeah, Bob Dylan, right. Uh, 2020, that would have been a really cool thing to do. That's not what happened. We had a very nice conversation And I did say look, you know, you're Bob Dylan. I Grew up on your music. I love I would love to play with you, but I kind of have a A band that needs me right now
0: Because I mean rob would have understood but it was a vital time for the hooters.
2: Yeah, I mean we had just um We just come off of our third columbia album. We come off of zigzag, which which re- took our career even farther into the dumpster in the U.S., but continued to to uh, to expand it in Europe. That that really gave us Scandinavia. Um, Five hundred miles was a was a big hit in Sweden and and, and Norway and Denmark, um, and it was the end of our tour. And we had to start writing another album.
0: Yeah, and the and the Dylan gig would have lasted a long time.
2: Well, until now, probably. Yeah yeah he's had the same band since then
0: um
2: how did you know ge for so long he's he's originally from stroudsburg pennsylvania yeah and he spent a lot of time in philly and we just had a lot of mutual friends i mean I, I don't know him really well but you know we you know we were we were buds he's a pretty remarkable player he's great the first time i ever saw him was with holland Oates at this little club in the middle of new jersey and this guy came out and he had He had like a little spiky haircut at the time and this maniacal smile and Everything he played was perfect. Every guitar he played was awesome. His tones were amazing and I'm like Damn, why didn't I get that gig and I could have had that gig too. I actually auditioned for Hall Notes when I was in college Wow And and if I weren't if it weren't for the fact that I was still in college and had no intentions of dropping out I probably would have gotten the gig so you, I mean, you were really, you must have shown a tremendous facility for music as a young,
0: as a young man.
2: Yeah. Early, yeah. I mean, as, as a guitarist. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got serious about it. Literally the day after the Beatles played on Ed Sullivan, February 10th, 1964, I'd already been playing for a while. I'd already performed on TV. Um, so I had a head start. And by the time I was 12, I realized that anything I heard in my head, I could play. And by fifteen, sixteen, I think I really reached my peak technically as a guitar player. I, I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was in, in the Joe Bonamassa stratum, but I was like, you know, I could have cut heads with him at that point. Wouldn't even try it now. So you,
0: so you didn't even need to read music. You could hear it and replicate it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. And you know, then I had to spend 20 years growing a soul Yeah. On the Shema.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so no regrets. I mean, those are, those are three opportunities that, were, that sound incredible. For any young musician, they would have gone, wow. Uh,
2: but you, you, you don't look back with regret. You just go, those were just no. things. Well, for one thing, I would have been a sideman. Yeah. And, you know, my, my earliest dream was not to be a singer, not to be a songwriter. I wanted to be the guitar player. I wanted to be George and you know write the occasional song, have one song on on, uh, per album. Then, um, when Tommy happened, and I saw the who the night that was released in Philadelphia, then I wanted to be Pete Townsend and have you know write write the songs, play the guitar. Uh, But I never found my Roger. Um, I wanted then you know it would have been nice to have a gig like Edge, but I never found my Bono. And then Rob came along and we were kind of two edges. And for a while we had a we had a singer we had a real singer in in baby grand the the band band before the Hooters and then um, It became clear that he wasn't the guy that we were going into our future with and we looked for a real singer for a while and At one point we just looked at each other and said you I don't know you I don't know Maybe and we found that we had this really good like blend and if one of us couldn't sing it The other one couldn't and if and if one of us couldn't both of us could together Fair enough, right? I mean and and so what is the what is the
0: plan for you? As as COVID looks like it's potentially clearing Uh moving forward. What are what are you thinking? What's the what's the move for you?
2: Well, um The obviously the Hooters still have a 40th anniversary tour to uh to fulfill um, which was uh, Supposed to happen this summer. Uh, I don't know I think it's probably a little bit too early to say we're the world's gonna be back in full swing I think a lot of the big festivals have already shut down, which is a big part of our our bread and butter for our touring so lacking that um, I guess I'm gonna do solo shows and you know play my material play the material from my my solo albums and um and of course, one of us and a couple of Hooters favorites that I, which I rearrange whenever I do solo shows. Uh, if I do a Hooters song, I do a totally different arrangement. I have, a, I have a four on the floor, almost hard rock version of All You Zombies that I do. It's wow. really, yeah, <laughs> it's and nobody, nobody says, oh, you changed All You Zombies. They don't even notice. It's just, to them, it's just All You Zombies.
0: It's cool that the song has that kind of elasticity that it can sort of be bent into a different genre.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, you look, we wrote it as a, as a reggae song. Um, It's actually the first Hooters song. It is the oldest surviving Hooters song. Really? I think, yep. I think we wrote it in January, 1980. We didn't even, it didn't have a name for the band. So you wrote that as a college student then, right? No, I I graduated college in 75.
0: 75. Okay. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the first one. I didn't know that. Um, that's pretty cool, but I love the idea that it can, that it can lend itself to such different to, you know, you can shape shift.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I did, um, I've done a few tours in, uh, in Germany with, um, with, with orchestra and backing band, you know, a variety of artists. They love that in Germany. Um, there's one called rock meets classic that I've done twice, which is amazing. And um, when they asked me to do it and all you zombies is one of the songs I wanted to do I had just recorded a version of it with my my Swedish folk rock friend who plays the Nickelharpa, the Swedish keyed fiddle and I just as an experiment I wanted to do like a like a Swedish folk rock version of it and I you know, I loved it and I thought you know, this would be cool to do this version with the orchestra especially because it already had string lines in it, which my my friend had played on his, the key fiddle. So I I sent it to them and they said, yeah, this is great. And they wrote out an arrangement for full orchestra and I toured on it and it was magnificent.
0: Do you uh, prefer or do you care about being on stage with the Hooters or by yourself? It's a totally different feeling or?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you know, being on stage with the Hooters is like a a comfortable coat. Yeah. Uh, and it's an exciting comfortable coat. It's not threadbare it we keep, you know, we keep Getting it cleaned and 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 renewed. It's uh, it's our technicolor coat of many colors uh, Here I go again with that but um uh, That you know, and, you know, that's Thrilling because you know the audience is there and they know the songs and it's um. Uh, you know, it's this this love fest between us and the audience. Solo shows a different thing. That's, I'm um, yeah, I'm I'm especially but really solo, like, like just me, which I I've, I've done a fair amount of, and I I love doing it. I talk as much as I play. People love hearing the stories. Um, sometimes I'll get into a real dialogue with with the audience. Uh, I've written songs in those situations. I've actually sat there and said, Hey, I have an idea. Mind if I write a song right now? Wow,
0: that's really cool
2: yeah so i i kind of need both they, they they really feed each other inform each other
0: i mean that is about as organic as it gets in terms of the creative process yeah yep um before i let you go ahead our editor at large wanted me to ask you he's he's uh oh, he wrote it down and i didn't i lost it but there was a woman i guess who was in some early hooters videos she was at the concessions and she was also in another video and he was wanting to he he remembered that as a kid he wanted to know how that was and who she was but i don't know i don't know what he's
2: talking about uh, mindy Justin. her name was mindy Justin. um we first became aware of her when we started working with honer because we the melodica the hooter is made by honer and yeah um, i started playing harmonicas and rob started playing their accordions and we were on their calendar in 1980 whatever and we're looking at the calendar and you know seeing who you know all the Greater and lesser known celebrities and there was one little picture Mindy Jostin Wow, who's that that looks interesting Few years go by and um, We went we we go to see Billy Joel and she's on stage with him Playing violin. She plays violin harmonica keyboards Um, Went backstage after because I I I knew Billy for a while. I guess I still know him. We're still friends Um, and met her and you know, we, we recognized each other from the calendar and she knew of the band, of course So we, we got her number and then she um, started playing with uh, with Joe Jackson um, And then when we were working on what became our our one and only MCA album um, We thought you know, it might be cool to Bring Mindy in. you know, she plays violin. She plays harmonica great add another another vocal texture we had her over and it, it just it clicked it was just awesome and um yeah she was on that entire album the uh, out of body album which is unavailable anywhere Mm. um i think probably on youtube but uh it's a great album and um we toured with her for a year it was awesome i loved having her as an instrumental foil you know rob and i have a great synergy but he's and he's a great soloist but that's not a thing that he really tries to bring forward in himself whereas Mindy yeah. was you know a virtuoso and we had moments in the show where the two of us would you know we had this little jam at the end of 500 miles and afterwards we would sit on the monitors and light a cigarette even though neither, neither one of us smoked so she was a pal she was a pal she was a hooter she was a hooter she was a hooter yeah. and then um 94 she left us she got offered a gig with John Mellencamp And We were kind of heartbroken, but you know opportunity presented itself to her and she she took it and um, Unfortunately for her he had a heart attack six weeks into the tour and never called her again Oh, wow, but then she um she went off and and found a fella got married had kids Uh, It was actually through that fella that I got to know Carly Simon. He was her best friend and collaborator on her 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 biggest hits and Mindy and I stayed friends. She she would come over here and play on Records that I was making and then she passed away in 2000 something hmm. wow. Victim of christian science
0: Oh, really? Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's I know that happens and she but so that was her in the videos That was her as a sort of a yeah, that's yeah, cool I didn't her. realize that Um, are you pretty optimistic about the future? Are you I know we don't look look back at the past But are you are you pretty optimistic about? The coming days,
2: um I'm gonna quote myself. I'm gonna quote my own song from my own record <laughs> um, uh, But I'm happy as I am got no future got no plans. I'm surrounded by love love and my heart can be as one uh, uh, Yeah something to that effect, but yeah, I mean I'm I'm trying to be optimistic about the future, but whatever happens I I'm okay, you know and You know, I wrote I wrote that song because I was Stuck in in Sweden and I missed being here. I missed my studio. I missed my stuff I missed the family that was here that I didn't have there. I came here and all of a sudden I missed being there You know, I saw it see videos of me in that basement that I work in Um, See the Swedish news and like oh man so I you know, I have the I have the mixed blessing curse of being at home wherever I am and missing home wherever I am.
0: And that's the paradox. Be happy in the moment where you are.
2: Yep, yep. So yes, I'm optimistic that I can be happy in the moment wherever I am. And hopefully uh, all our dreams will come true. The Hooters will do our 40th anniversary tour a year or two late. And then the 41st and the 42nd and the 41st until we can't do it anymore.
0: Long May They Reign, a uh, great conversation with Eric Bazilian, and I feel compelled to tell you this, but at the end of the interview, our editor at large at Stereo Embers magazine, David Porter, who is uh, one of my dearest friends and a huge fan of the Hooters, he popped in to the interview, and the three of us just rapped for <laughs> like 20 minutes about— um, about a lot of things, we we jumped all over the place, but it was so much fun, and uh, Eric was so generous with his time, and it just felt like three friends uh, just hanging out, talking about Tommy Conwell and uh, and and playing uh, playing Live Aid. Um, it was just a really really cool uh, addition to the conversation, and um, and Eric was so nice to to do that. He uh, he will be back on the show. In the future, uh, we love Eric Bazilian, and you got to get this album. Bazilian is the name of it. Go to ericbazilian.com. That's B-A-Z-I-L-I-A-N.com and uh, pick up a copy. Every song is pure joy. It's so good. Trust me. Um, hootersmusic.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with the Hooters. Alexgreenonline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. There is a new novel coming out in August, details forthcoming. Bombshellradio.com is where you need to go to find out what makes our radio station tick. You can follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor, you can follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast, or just email me, for God's sakes, editor at Magazine.com. Remember, Stereo Embers the Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use subscribe, maybe leave us a rating, tell a friend, start a Facebook fan page, make uh, (laughs) t-shirts, all that stuff. Yeah, do it all. Do it all. Uh, Anyway, listen, we appreciate your support Uh, in whatever form it comes. We are very grateful that you're out there for us week in and week out. Let's close the show with a longer listen to the new single from Eric Bazilian, back in the 80s. Enjoy it. And I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio.
1: Back in the 80s we had big hair you had a fast car and places to go there was Bon Jovi living on a prayer and we had the Thompson twins to hold us now those were